Hello, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation is three years old, and we have some exciting updates associated with today's episode. We have amazing new detailed show notes for each and every episode. And we've even gone back into the archives of every prior episode. I mean, we're talking over 100 shows and updated those show notes too. So they are more readily searchable and give you the highlights and details in case you're listening in the car and unable to take notes. And now let's kick off today's episode. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now... Here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who leverage Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacles stand in our way in pursuit of the three Ps, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. Today is episode 125, an episode ending in five. So we have our chief Profit First professional guide, Billy Ann Grigg, with us in the house. Hi, Billy Ann. Hi, Danielle. So glad that you can join us. Um, we've got um, quite a few questions. And so we'll start off with the first one. Okay. It's probably our shortest question in the batch. <laughs> um, so one question, I commit 15% to my retirement account and 5% to my 529s every commission check. Where does this figure go into the four categories of profit, owner's comp, tax, and operating expenses? And I just want to preface that this came from a gentleman named Mike, who's a realtor. So we've talked about this before. When you have sporadic pay, uh, realtors are a good example. A typical realtor, I think, does nine closings per year. So you would do your allocations when you receive that commission check. So realtors can get off from um, the 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 normal tenth and twenty fifth or or week biweekly, um, et cetera. So um, what what should Mike do when he gets uh, wants to commit fifteen percent to his retirement accounts? Got it. Okay. So remember, through the lens of profit first, anything that benefits the owner of the business is considered owner's compensation. So even though from a tax perspective, you're not going to call it owner's comp probably, or not all of it would be owner's comp. Some of it would be an operating expense, um, depending on your structure. From the profit first lens, that would all be owner's compensation. Exactly. And so, yes, remember those three servings for you are profit owner's comp and tax, we're just giving a specific intention for the cash in those categories. So that was um, super easy. Our next question comes from Matt. My wife and I have owned our business for a long time and some years have been very profitable and lately some like recently not so profitable. 
We love it, but we are a slave to the business and feel like it's just a total grind every day of the week just to break even. We're ready for change. I'm trying to complete the instant assessment and have a question related to cost of goods sold or COGS. We buy fabric, we cut and sew it into blankets. Half of the volume is done by our employees and the rest is done by a subcontractor. Currently, all raw materials and production-related expenses are classified as COGS on our P&L. I want to get an accurate real revenue number so that all of the other calculations are meaningful. We do not have control over our COGS, so I'm leaning toward categorizing all of these expenses, including the raw materials and subs in the operating expenses bucket. What would you recommend, Matt? Um, so I'm kind of scratching my head over not having control over the COGS because there, there's always an opportunity to improve your cost of goods sold, either through negotiations with your vendors for your raw materials, negotiating with your contractors, um, whatever that might be. So I, I do want to challenge that there's no control over COGS, but putting that aside, um, I like to look at the materials and subs in terms of if I were to lose the sale, would the expense immediately follow? So instead of moving all raw materials and subs into the operating expense bucket, I would say um, move your employee production into the operating expense bucket if you're going to do anything like that. Um, and then leave your raw materials and your subcontractor costs up in mats and subs to get your real revenue. Otherwise, what's going to happen is your operating expenses, presuming you know, they're 20, 25% of your total income, and I'm guessing they probably are, that's going to really overstate your operating expenses. So um, I wouldn't move everything down into OPEX. I would, I would keep at least your raw materials and your subcontractor costs in materials and subs to get to your real revenue. And definitely see if you can either negotiate with your vendors and your subcontractors, or maybe it's time to raise prices to increase your real revenue. That's um, that's obviously perfect advice coming from the Chief Profit First Professional Guide. Uh, you know, and I wonder too, are the employees, you know, kind of doing the work on a piecemeal basis, on an hourly basis? You know, do you have five-star employees? Are those people, you know, really maximizing it? Or can you find someone who, you know, instead of taking two hours to do it, they can get it done in an hour and save you some expense there as well. Because uh, it's interesting too, it seems like, I mean, again, we don't have much information to go on, but half the volume is done by employees and the rest is done by a subcontractor. So which is the more profitable path to uh, to have the work done? Is it by the subcontractor or is it by doing it in-house with employees? Um, and just kind of curious as to to why there um, there's a split, and you know if there if it's split pretty even, and the and the costs associated with both are the same. Okay, that's great. Then your eggs aren't in, all in one basket in terms of production. But um, you know, just curious about that there too. But without a doubt, you know, especially with inflation, and you know, lately things have been not so profitable. Um, it is absolutely time to raise prices. I mean. Everyone, all the all the big guys have done it, and and everyone's expecting you to do it too. So make sure um, that you do a meaningful cost increase, uh, price increase, and not just an arbitrary. Well, we're going to raise it by ten percent because um, you know ten percent of of a dollar is ten cents, but ten percent of a hundred dollars is ten dollars. Um, 
do you, you know, figure out like based off of a dollar amount, ideally, you know, where, where your sweet spot is in terms of a new price. Um, I, it's not just an arbitrary, oh, we'll raise it by 10, 15%. Exactly. All right. Our next question comes from Andy. I was wondering if you may help me with a question. I'm putting together a financial report and I found some numbers on the web, but I don't think they're very accurate. Do you happen to have a rough estimate of how our operating expenses should be distributed for an online boutique? Like how much should we go to salaries, rent, shipping, advertising, et cetera? From Andy. Okay. Um, interesting that you don't think the numbers are very accurate. Now, I wonder why. Um, and in fact, I'm going to answer that question. It's because every business is different. And especially if you have an online boutique, it's really hard to come up with any of those metrics that you can say this is going to be good for your business because, I mean, do you drop ship or do you actually have a warehouse with inventory? Um, salaries, what do your employees do? Do you even have employees or are you working more with subcontractors? Um, and the same with rent, you know, are you renting a whole warehouse space or are we talking like you have a co-working space? So it's probably not the answer you were looking for. Um, what I would say is be very cautious about using any sort of metrics, any sort of benchmarks that are established and out there and published, because that's your average and you want to be better than average. So that can be kind of a, well, if I'm doing at least this, I'm in good shape, but you want to be doing better than that. I will say that kind of a target for payroll is typically around 40% um, should be going to payroll. But again, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in that. And, you know, it's important to understand um, what the breakout is of those different categories that roll up into operating expenses. And then from there, you know, you can really kind of dive in to see, you know, what would the scenario look like? How would our business change or improve if I could lower our rent by 20% or if I could change our advertising up and decrease that as well. So a couple of points here, you know, I mean, rent, like now is the time to negotiate rent, believe it or not. We have a a member of our all-in community who's in Australia and um, he is uh, in the process of acquiring another dojo studio down there. And, um, The existing owner um, has way too much square footage than is needed. And um, he was able to actually reduce the rent by 40% by having a conversation with the landlord. Wow. So, you know, the landlord would rather keep someone in and, you know, make sure it's, it's appropriate and fine. So, I mean, there's your goal right there. Not that you might be able to decrease it by 40%. But I mean, it just proves that anything is possible when it comes to having conversations about reducing expenses like rent with your landlord, or, you know, it could even mean, you know, looking for another location, et cetera. Then on marketing, now remember, I mean, I I hope you know what I'm about to say, (laughs) Um, and you're already saying it in your head or you're saying it out loud. Marketing expenses absolutely must produce a 6x to 10x return on that expense. So if you are spending $100 and you make $200 in sales by that $100 investment in marketing, then that marketing is no bueno. It produced a 2x return and that just doesn't cut the mustard. So really look at your marketing expenses and make sure that what you're doing 
and that it's producing that 6x to 10x return. And if it's not, then you need to try something else in terms of marketing. And, you know, marketing is very dynamic. And, and I'm sure, you know, you're in the online world. So, you know, it's all about algorithms and the rules seem to constantly be changing and you got to keep be keeping up with it and such. So you just have to constantly monitor and measure that return on, on marketing expenses. But, you know, remember, you know, every dollar that goes out in expenses is a dollar less that's going towards profit. So it's that fine balance of reducing expenses and increasing margin that increases your profitability. Absolutely. I mean, bottom line, you want to keep OpEx as lean as you possibly can. Um, so, you know, without starving your business, of course. So you definitely look to keep all of your operating expenses lean rather than following your predetermined metrics. I will say that if, since you have an online boutique, it might be worth checking out the Profit First for e-commerce sellers book. Um, to oh, get yeah. Some, yeah, to get some more insight into exactly how Profit First can be applied to an online business. So, yeah, that was the first Profit First iteration that was written by our dear friend, Cindy Thomas. And um, we have had just a plethora of additional titles come out. And so we will drop those in the visual recaps. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, we could try to, to do it um, right here. I don't have my cheat sheet in front of me, but there's um, Profit First for Microgyms. There's Profit First for Real Estate Investors, Profit First for Realtors, Profit First for Salon Owners, Profit First for Minority Businesses. Uh, contractors. Oh, contractors. Yeah, contractors, yeah. tradies, which is kind of like contractors in, um, in Australia, and lawn care and landscape businesses. So there are 10. There are 10 uh, Profit First derivative books on the market. And there are some exciting ones in the works as well, like for restaurants and some other um, specific niche industries. So um, that is a great resource as well as to, you know, read, get the good general sense of Profit First from the original book, but then, uh, you know, dive into one of the uh, more niche iterations as well. Definitely. Okay, Billian. So, you know, what else are you kind of hearing out there in the world right now in terms of people's entrepreneurs, small business owners struggles? Um, I mean, the thing that everybody's talking about right now is inflation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, inflation costs are going up. It cost, well, cost of hiring employees, if you can find them, is going up. But Danielle, that's your sweet spot, so I'm not going to get into that. Um, but yeah, just the inflation. And here's the thing about inflation. There is a potential for opportunity in inflation as well. In fact, our Mastery Profit First Professionals had a guest speaker back in May who said, if you're not raising your prices now, your customers are going to think you've been overcharging them all along. So, uh, you know, th this is an opportunity for you to increase your prices. Um, do not wait until it actually impacts your bottom line. That's the, the mistake that a lot of small businesses make. If you think about it, your large businesses at the first whiff of prices going up, they are increasing their prices as well because they know they're going to have to keep their profitability high. Small businesses, on the other hand, tend to wait until it's already hurting. Don't wait until it hurts you to make price adjustments and other adjustments in your business as well. Um, and that can really help you to battle the inflation. And, you know, I mean, depending upon your business, there's lots of different pricing strategies that you can employ. And, you know, you don't have to do this like on this grand annual once a year basis. I mean, 
uh, Starbucks has raised their prices, I think, three times in the last six months. Now, when Starbucks raises their prices, they don't do just an across the board, we're raising everything by 10%. They raise it sort of strategically by market, but then also by product. So, you know, some, some items actually don't incur a price increase, but other items might incur, you know, a, a five cent increase or a 10% increase, et cetera. So you, you should be real strategic about it and really look at it from, you know, a per category basis, a per SKU basis, et cetera. Um, another idea when it comes to increasing prices is that, um, you know, you should increase your prices on your legacy and existing customers. I mean, like Billy Ann said, if, if you're not raising prices on them, they're thinking, well, they've been overcharging us from the beginning and such. But the, but the kind of cool opportunity, too, is that, um, you know, new customers, um, depending upon the business, I mean, obviously, if you're a retail boutique, you've got to have just one, one type of pricing out there um, on the floor. But if you're a service-based business, then, um, you know, with new customers and such, you can design packages and, and price things at a much higher level than your existing pricing structure um, to your to your existing customers, and you can kind of like you know just push 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 until you can figure out like what is the what's the ideal sweet spot in in the new pricing for new customers. But again, it doesn't mean that you don't raise the price for existing customers. You know, maybe when 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 the math settles and and such, um, you you're able to increase um, what you're charging new customers by twenty percent maybe reducing the labor you're putting into that by 10%, how are they going to know? And then with your existing customers, you know, you've, or you've set that expectation. So you probably can't cut the labor anymore, but, you know, raise those prices 10%. Um, really, really think about it, really get into it. This is, you know, just good stuff that you should always be doing because this is what the big guys are doing. You know, Billy Ann has talked about this on a prior episode, you know, all these big companies and big corporations employ dozens, if not hundreds of analysts to keep them on the forefront of the sweet spot in terms of their pricing. Absolutely. Um, so yes, inflation, um, let's just say a recession might, you know, be here when this episode actually airs and such. And, you know, as Billy Ann talked about, this is the time to really maximize things because, some people won't make it through the recession. Some of your competitors will not make it through the recession. So this is your time to really get solid and hunker down so that when those who fail to survive the recession, you know, they're going to be those those customers of those individuals are going to be looking for a new provider of your services, your product, etc. So um, this is the opportunity to really kind of prepare because you know, when we come out of a recession, it's like, boom, we we come out of it fast, hard and strong. And so it's a perfect opportunity, again, to be picking up um, where those other businesses have had to shut their doors and now their customers are looking for, for a new home. Anything else um, kind of that's been on your radar lately, Billy Ann? Gosh, I mean, all, all of the talk right now is about inflation. So uh, that that's kind of the, the big thing. And, you know, I would just say prepare for it. Like you were saying, Danielle, you know, look, you're already listening to Profit First Nation. So you're already a step ahead of those who aren't implementing these strategies in their business. You'll be fine. 
you just have to think a little bit further ahead, um, and then you know you'll you'll come through this uh, better than most. Just like those who were prepared going into the pandemic came out better than most. That's exactly it. Just be prepared for it and don't panic because there there isn't a need to panic as long as you, you make a plan for it. So okay, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Billy Ann. Um, if you want, uh, we've got lots of wonderful episodes with Billy Ann, and those are the episodes ending in five, where we do a little bit more of a deep dive into advanced profit-first topics. If you would like to work with one of our fellow certified profit-first professional accountants, bookkeepers, or coaches, please visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact to connect with one of our profit-first professional peeps. And we do have uh, a visual recap for every episode. So you can access that by going again to ProfitFirstNation.com and clicking on resources. We'll even gladly text you and email you the latest episode visual recap each week if you choose to subscribe. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.